Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. We're going to take you along on a trip to show you why we think the Rivian R1T pickup truck just isn't cutting it next on In-Depth. Thank you to Keeps for sponsoring today's show. Keeps is a subscription service that makes it easier and more affordable for men to treat their male pattern baldness online. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. I am living proof of this, and the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have your hair left. With Keeps, you'll get a free online consultation with a licensed doctor who will recommend the right hair loss treatment plan for you. Keeps offers clinically proven generic versions of the FDA-approved medications for hair loss, which makes it more affordable. If you're looking for real results, you owe it to yourself to check out the testimonials on the Keeps website. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and why hundreds of thousands of men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash now you know or click the link in the description to receive 50% off your first order. Don't put it off. Go to K-E-E-P-S dot com slash now you know. So back in 2016, I got my first electric car, Sparky, a Tesla Model X. I didn't have a YouTube channel. I was just a regular guy who really cared about the planet. One day, soon after Zach got Sparky, for no particular reason, we just started driving. We drove all the way to Cape Cod. I remember we stopped at the Sagamore Bridge Supercharger, and it was my first experiences with supercharging. In fact, that is where I heard the term Tesla time. And we got all the way to Provincetown, the tip of Cape Cod. My whole life, I have lived in Massachusetts, and I had never been there. And when we got there, we figured, we've gone this far, might as well turn around and just keep on going. When we got to another ocean, we figured we've gone this far, might as well just turn back, keep right on going. When we needed to charge, we used superchargers. When we needed to sleep, we slept. And when we had to, you get it. We traveled through 25 states, two provinces of Canada, and charged at 75 superchargers. That was the first time we YouTubed what we did. It was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Driving without burning any fuel, without any backup crew, it felt like it was a secret. And we wanted to share that secret with the world. Electric vehicles work. Because it worked really well. All 75 superchargers we pulled into, from the ones in cities, all the way to the one in Green River, Utah, the most remote place I've ever been to, they all charged us up great. Yeah, there was one supercharger in San Francisco and I think one in Oregon, which were busy. And there was that one in Toronto, which had a few stalls out of commission. But aside from those, we were usually able to get charged up very quickly. And this was all back in 2016. It's what propelled us to do this channel and show everyone that this was the future. And we've tried to be honest about what excited us as well as what wasn't so great. Now, since this channel's inception, we wanted to show people exactly what it was like to own an EV, from installing charging at home to maintenance. And we wanted to show off as many different EVs as possible to show our viewers options. When we were a small channel that involved asking to borrow friends' cars or showing off my used Nissan Leaf that I bought, but we really wanted to show you more EVs, so we tried reaching out to car manufacturers to borrow their vehicles. And it worked. We were able to borrow a review model of the Volkswagen ID4. However, soon after we gave our honest thoughts about that, we realized that our contacts started giving us the cold shoulder. Yeah, we had crossed the line. I talked to some of our YouTuber friends and we learned something. You're not supposed to be completely honest in your reviews if you want to keep getting review cars. 
And I'm not here to badmouth auto journalists or other YouTubers who genuinely bust their butts to bring their audience lots of car reviews. But there's only so much those people can say in their reviews if they want to keep their jobs. And to their credit, many of them do a great job of balancing the good with the bad. But Zach and I aren't like this. We can't overlook or downplay problems when we see them. We pretty much always say what we think. And it's this honesty that makes it very hard for us to be car reviewers. So we came up with a different plan. We would save up and buy cars outright. It's way more expensive than getting a free review model. We'd probably get our cars way after the other reviewers, and we'd not make a lot of friends. But it was the only way we could continue to put out honest reviews with vehicles that we could use for longer than a week. Which brings us to the R1T. We've had it since April, and since then we've driven 2,500 miles on it, and we've shown you what it can do. Uh, we showed you with e-bikes on it. Yeah, with the uh, Yakima Skyrise tent. We filled it with lumber. We've picked up and moved tables and furniture. We've tested its towing capacity with our buddy Tom. We've even shown you what kind of power tools, both pneumatic and electric, can be powered by it. And we haven't pulled any punches. And we can do that because it's our truck. On this episode, we want to show you how it handles an adventure. Because after all, it is a self-proclaimed adventure vehicle. So in the spirit of our first trip with Sparky back in 2016, I wanted to go back to Cape Cod, but this time take advantage of all the awesome stuff the Rivian could do. We'd bring the Skyrise tent, e-bikes on the hitch-mounted bike rack, and our brand new beta version 1 camp kitchen that we made. So we picked a beautiful campsite at North of the Highlands camping area. That's not a sponsorship. They were just really nice. We loaded up the truck with more than everything we needed and we set off for the coast. We made it about five miles before there was a problem. So we just started our trip and um, it's been saying calculating route for like 10 minutes. So we thought, well, that's not good. So we ended the route and then we said, let's search for a new route and it automatically picks the place where we were going without me having chosen it and then it goes back to this circle of death on calculating route. I guess we have to restart the computer. How do you restart the computer on a Rivian? Um, I don't remember. I guess I'll look that up. Alright, so I found out how to reset the Rivian computer. Okay. Uh, let's see. Far, uh, hold the far left button on the steering wheel and the emergency flasher button for about 15 seconds. The entire computer will restart. According to Rivian support, do not reset again for at least one hour after this procedure. There are multiple systems that may take a bit longer to fully come up after this reset. But, wait a minute, does it say for an hour? For an hour? Uh, I mean, we, we don't have any route data. I don't know where I'm going. Uh, you know, there's another way I just looked up that you could reboot just the MCU. Oh, okay, good. Um, it's kind of like on a Tesla. It's the far left button and the far right button at the okay. same time. Um, but again, it says don't do it while you're driving. We're on a trip. Yeah. I don't want to stop just because the the navigation system isn't working. I mean, yeah, look at it. It's, it's still doing this uh, calculating route. Where are we going? Route. Like, where are we going? Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four. Keep holding both buttons. Display restarting soon. Oh, that's nice that it tells me. Sound system, Sound restarting. system restarting. Both okay. screens have shut off. I'm okay. glad we did this in a parking lot. Um, I'm gonna push it, I'm just gonna put it in reverse. Yeah, oh, so it still drives. It drives. still drives, so that's okay. good. The Rivian logo's back on the screen. Yeah, not a bad 
restarting screen. This is a little wonky looking, and that's a little wonky looking, but I mean, I'm not mad at that. It's restarting. All right, so I'm gonna give this a second to just yeah, settle itself out. Because it doesn't see where we are. Thanks no, thanks for on 495. <clears throat> that's interesting. Wow, so the GPS hasn't really connected yet. GPS seems to be finding us. Good. There we are. Good. Okay, so now I'm gonna. You think that's enough time? Yeah, let's search. Okay. See if we can head there. Yeah. Battery calculation unavailable. I don't love that, uh, but sure. Our system is temporarily offline and can't determine if destination is in range. Well, we know that we're gonna have to stop somewhere, so we'll just start. Better than sitting here for an hour while it tries to think. Mmm, high fidelity. There we go. Oh, wow. It's back when this was being built. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, back on the road. Yeah, we needed to pull off the road to restart the computer to get the nav working. Now, I still think that this could have been done while we were driving, but I wasn't going to risk smashing our truck and endangering people on the highway to try it. Yeah, and I think most responsible owners would have done the same thing. It was pretty annoying that the Rivian didn't just work, um, but whatever, it was just a few minutes and then we were back on our way. Next, we tried to find a fast charging station. We had enough range to get all the way to the campsite, but we knew we'd be using some extra range to power the camp kitchen and to power up the e-bikes at the campsite. And we had to get back home after two days of camping, so the more range we could arrive with, the better. We knew that there were some CCS fast chargers on the way, and we had a plan of stopping at the Electrify America station in Plymouth, Massachusetts. But when we got there... Uh, Jesse, what are we doing at a gas station? Um, this is where the charger is. See? Oh, okay. Gas station charger. Um, nice icing right over there. Icing on the cake. It's very good. One of the stalls was in use, another was iced, and the last two weren't working. Charging start error. We were unable to initiate your plug and charge session. We are unable to start your charge. Please check that you are at the correct charger and your vehicle is plugged in. We spent a total of 45 minutes moving the truck between chargers, calling customer support, having them restart stations, plugging in and unplugging the truck, completely unsuccessfully, and then finally being told that we needed to restart our Rivian, something that we had to read the manual to figure out how to do. 45 minutes, sitting in the baking sun, looking like a couple of idiots at a gas station. It was insanely frustrating. That 45 minutes, by the way, that, that wasn't us charging. That was us not charging. Right. Um, when we finally got it working, the station would only give us 54 kilowatts. So we had to sit there for another hour. Which didn't allow us to get to the high state of charge that we wanted. Like we wanted to actually just charge up to almost full so that we'd have plenty of charge at the campsite. But we were watching the day go by sitting at this gas station and we decided, you know what, we can make it. Let's just get there and we'll worry about getting home after the fact. Right, because daylight was burning. So, I mean, who deserves the blame at this point in the trip? I mean, was it Rivian's fault? Was it Electrify America's fault? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, first of all, we pulled in this Electrify America station, not the best location because it was consistently being iced. As we were there, people were just pulling in, stopping, going to the bathroom and then leaving, which, you know, okay, you're only there for a few minutes, but still not cool. There not was, a great location. And no good signage from Electrify America telling people not to do that. Exactly. So I don't kind of even blame them. Exactly. Then basically uh, two or three of the stalls there weren't working. I think it might have been all four because we did see right. other people pull in. They plugged in. They walked off. Then they came back 
And I saw them, they would unplug it, plug it back in. Right, they were frustrated. And then they were like, whatever, and then they left. Right, um, that was a Volvo and an Ionic 5. Right, so it's not like we were just seeing a bunch of Rivians have problems there. We didn't see any other Rivians, but other cars were having problems. And then lastly, when we talked to the guy at Electrify America for 45 minutes, we got to know him pretty well. He said that Rivians had been having trouble charging for the past two weeks, and that coincided with an update we had gotten about two weeks previous. Right, and so we had to restart the truck. Of course, we did all of this restarting the truck like 38 minutes <laughs> into the 45 minutes that we were sitting there. So that was fun. We restarted the truck. It started to charge and then we were only getting 54 kilowatts. We should have been, we were at a station that could pump in 350. 350. The Rivian can't take that much, but it can take way more than 50 kilowatts. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten reports that it can take up to 212 kilowatts, which right. would have been great. And I mean, a few weeks before we had had a great charging session at an Electrify America station up in Manchester, New Hampshire. We pulled in over 150 kilowatts and we were in and out in 20 minutes. And that's great. But we've had so much trouble at non-Tesla fast charging stations all around here in some of the cars we've reviewed and all over Europe on my road trip there. And I have to be honest with you, it's not good. And of course, this is only based on our experiences. But I got to be honest, I have a really hard time believing people when they tell me that they've never had a problem charging at these non-Tesla charging stations. But with that very frustrating experience out of the way, we continued on our journey only an hour and a half late. We got to the campsite with about 182 miles of range. Not as much as we wanted, but we couldn't stand to sit at the charger for any longer. It was a beautiful early June day on the Cape. We set up the tent. We went for an awesome e-bike ride. Sorry, we didn't get any footage, but we blew through a lot more camera battery at the charger than we were expecting. And now for the juxtaposition. My lovely girlfriend was meeting us down on the Cape, and so she was going to drive down in my Model 3. Can you see the difference here? There are way more superchargers and, little hint, they, they all, all work. work. So I didn't for one moment worry that a charger would slow her down. Mm. Even though we just had that experience, it wasn't even a thought in my mind that she wouldn't be able to make it down on my Model 3 because I trust superchargers because we've been to probably over 150 superchargers and I've gone probably 300 times plus, and they've always freaking worked. So that was the first of two nights. Uh, it was my night to sleep in the tent. Mm -hmm. So we got that all set up. Uh, it was a beautiful night. And I got to tell you, the tent was really great. I mean, being up high was awesome. Uh, you didn't have to worry about being down on the ground with like, I saw a raccoon the next morning and we heard some coyotes, right? So you're up high, which feels good. Um, it didn't feel flimsy. It didn't feel like you were going to fall or that there was holes or anything. It felt like you're on a solid, like you felt like you're on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a wonderful experience to be uh, up on the Rivian in a tent. I do want to say, though, that uh, two inches of foam doesn't quite cut it for me. I would have loved like an extra like foam layer. So maybe next time I go camping, I'll bring like a, I don't know, memory foam or something. Like an inflatable mattress. Yeah, I think foam is the way to go for me. Okay. But uh, I'm not a big fan of air ever since I've had some inflatable mattresses uh, give way in the middle of the night. Ah, well, yeah, I get But it is camping. It is camping. Uh, yep. uh, th this is glamping. All right, so then... The next morning, it was time to try out the camp kitchen. All right, so you may not know, but Jesse and I decided to not buy the $6,700 Rivian camp kitchen. Uh, yeah, they did raise the price. Um, we decided that, you know, all that camp kitchen has is a sink, a two-burner induction stove, and some pots and pans and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful, Yep. but like $6,700. So what we did was we took a piece of plywood that cost about $5. Then we took some bungee cords. We took appliances that we pretty much had laying around the house. Mm -hmm. And we bungeed them to it. And we got an extension cord. And we threw it all together. 
and basically we got version 0.1 if you want to call it that of our camp kitchen now obviously this is just a test it doesn't look great but we wanted to see if we could actually make some meals on it so we tried it out for breakfast so jesse what are you working on i'm working on the hash browns Ooh, we're gonna have hash browns this morning yeah so far so far good so far, so good. far so good right, right. this is awesome Mm. The Green Camp Kitchen version one. So far, so good. <laughs> All right, so, so far, mm -hmm. knock on wood, mm -hmm. we have not blown the breaker. Mm -hmm. We're running two griddles. We think it's about 1500 watts max. That's what the outlet puts out. I also want to talk about the fact that uh, if we were to buy the Camp Kitchen, I think it's $6,700. What did we spend on this? This was a scrap piece of wood. Well, let's say we bought it for 20 bucks. Okay, wow. Um, the dowel, five bucks. This was, um, I think, 60. Although you can get them cheaper. You can get way cheaper ones than that. And then this one, I think was a hundred bucks-ish. This was like 20 for, for two. two. Yeah. So I think we're up to, I don't know, boys, add that up. Yeah. We're coming in way under. Now this is version one, but I will say, honestly, you may not have to go past version one. This is awesome. This went right into the gear tunnel and came right out. Yeah, I mean, we warmed up some muffins, we made some French toast, uh, we made some hash browns. It was uh, it worked really well. And then when we were done, we cleaned it up with our sink yeah. um, and our water bottle thing. And it, yeah, it worked great. It all stored in the gear tunnel area really well. Mm -hmm. And so I think for, what did it cost us? Like, um, even if you bought all those appliances, I think we we're at like $125. Yeah, in the couple hundred dollars range of stuff. And I would argue you might have everything you need in your house anyway. Like if you want to bring along a waffle maker or a blender or a crock pot, you probably already have those things. Exactly. I mean, take advantage of what you already have. Um, don't just have more stuff that you're going to have to shove into your cabinets at home. Because, I mean, I'm willing to bet that if you dig through your kitchen, you're going to find some kind of a, oh, remember Todd got us this? Remember that? Oh, wow. And we've never used this panini press. Bring the panini press, you know. Bring the popcorn maker. Bring bring all, all of your crap. And don't even worry about, you know, even buying an induction stove. Right. Take advantage of the stuff that you already have that is, like, really fun. I mean, yeah, if you really want a griddle, buy a buy a little electric griddle. If you really I, wanna... I did love the griddle, I will say. It was because, awesome. Because... Um, that's pretty much what you're going to use camping a lot of times. Sure. And so I thought it was nice. You didn't have to bring an extra pan. It was it was all great. I will say, though, it's only one 110 outlet that you can use at a time. So 1500 watts total. And that means that for a lot of these appliances that heat things up, you're not going to be able to use, you know, multiple ones. So we had to be very careful to make sure that we knew what they were rated at and only use that much or else we would have to keep turning it back on again. It, yeah, I mean, if you were to try and make like pasta where you need to like boil water and then make a sauce, that's... probably can't do that at the same time. Exactly. And that's one of my flaws here with Rivian. Unlike the Ford F-150 Lightning that's coming out with supposedly 220 volts and I think a whole lot more amps, this is just 110 volts with 15 amps. And that's just not enough, in my opinion, to run what you need on an adventure. Now, is it better than every Tesla that's ever been sold? Yes, yes, it is. Right. Okay. I mean, yeah, you could. Oh, I have a special uh, inverter that I could plug onto my Tesla. I don't think that you're going to be pulling anywhere close to the amount of wattage that we were pulling out of an inverter. Plus, that would be pulling it from the 12 volt battery. And I mean, yeah, there's some other spot that you're supposed to pull it from so that way you don't void your warranty. But please, at this out of the box, the Rivian just as bought works like this. And the gear tunnel is great for storing it. I mean, it was a wonderful spot to 
put that because you don't have to worry about digging it out from the front or digging it out from the back of the bed. Let's talk about digging stuff out of places. Uh, now, we have a bike rack. It's not the best bike rack. It's just some bike rack that we bought one day. Um, it's made for an SUV. Um, so it's it's folds down, which is really cool because then an SUV uh, hatch can open. Uh, on the pickup truck, we couldn't <laughs> open the tailgate right. with the bike rack attached. Kind of a stupid thing. I'm going to say that's my fault. I'm totally. not blaming the Rivian for right. that. Um, but with the tent on there, really hard to access stuff in the bed of the truck. Good point. And the bed's not that high. It's only 18 inches high. So there's really not as much stuff as you think that you can cram in there. Plus, this bed is a small bed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a lot of us, if we're not pickup truck people, we think, oh, it's got a bed. But a typical bed is an eight foot bed. This is a small five foot plus bed. And so that means that there's really not that much stuff at the end of the day that you can put in there. Now, you might say, well, isn't there that sub trunk in the bed? Yes, there is. But to get at that usually means you have to take a lot of stuff out and there really isn't that much space in there. And also with the tent on top, you're probably not going to be able to get down in there. Uh, of course, there's still the frunk. There's still under seat storage. There's a lot more storage on this truck. I think that, you know, and we overpacked. We brought the Starlink, which is humongous. It comes in a humongous box. Right. So, I mean, you could probably be camping for quite a while in this thing. It's just something to consider if you wanted to bring some other fancy stuff. And speaking of Starlink, uh, what's cool is because you got that outlet, um, you can easily plug it in. Now, I know the new RV Starlink has 12 volt as well, but mm -hmm. like this makes it really easy to use the Starlink on a trip. So a little tip I learned, uh, you want to remember at night when you're done using all of your electrical outlets on the Rivian to shut off the outlets and shut off your gear guard unless you need it in the area you're in because it's going to be on all night and it's going to be using juice. And in the morning, we were surprised at how much juice we had used for our camp kitchen. All right, so uh, how much energy did we use cooking? Uh, let me go check. Oh, we had 143 miles to start this morning. We now have 119. We used uh, 24 miles of range to cook breakfast. And don't forget that that's not including what we used to charge the bikes last night. So last night we had 162 miles of range. And so we used 19 miles of range to charge up the bikes and to run, you know, a laptop or two. So are we gonna be able to make it home? Yes, but remember that problem we had at the Electrify America charger the other day where it wasn't quite working and we had to be on the phone for half an hour? So yeah. I'm not looking forward to going home tomorrow. And yeah, something to think about here is unlike a normal trip where you're not really using a whole lot of juice from your car while it's sitting there, here you might be using a lot of juice. So keep that in mind to make sure you can get back to whatever charger you need to get to. And I mean, worst case, I'll be honest, we could have driven just a few miles to like a level two charger and sat there for several hours to build up enough range to get to a bigger charger. Uh, but let's get to that when we get to it. So that night we wanted to cook dinner, but it was raining um, and we didn't have like an awning for the camp kitchen. So we just you know, we ate somewhere else. Right. So then it was my night in the tent. Uh, it was rainy, but we had the rain fly. I stayed dry the whole night. Mm -hmm. Really nice pitter patter of the rain in the morning and stuff like that. Uh, we heard some coyotes. I was glad to be up six feet because there were a lot of them. They weren't anywhere nearby, but like a lot of howling. I was glad to be where I was. So then in the morning, tents all wet. We had to pack it up wet because we had to leave. So that wasn't so much fun packing up all this wet gear and, and bikes. But, you know, that's not Rivian's fault. But here's the thing. The truck no longer had enough range to get home. 
So we decided not to use the Electrify America charger in Plymouth again. <laughs> Instead, we opted for the nearest fast charger on the Cape. It was an EVgo station at the Cape Cod Mall. So I pulled into the only available stall out of the two EVgo stations there. Luckily, charging started immediately, but the charging speed was pegged at 39 kilowatts, even though it's a 50 kilowatt charger. So I checked the PlugShare app, by the way, and I found out that everyone else had had the same experience for the past two weeks. So I had to sit there for about an hour and I still barely made it home with 27 miles of range left because I couldn't charge up to what I wanted to. On the other hand, I stopped at a supercharger in my Model 3 uh, and way up in Orleans, like just, oh, the first supercharger. I'll just go there. Pulled in, got 150 kilowatts and my battery wasn't even that empty. So I was in and out 15 minutes. I wasn't even worried about range either, so I zipped home. Uh, I got there an hour before Zach got home. We left at the same time. And I mean, that's an important point there because, I mean, we were on kind of a leisurely trip, so an hour here, an hour and a half there didn't matter so much. But you tell me. I mean, most times when you're taking a trip, do you want to lose an hour or an hour and a half? Probably not. So when reviewing a car, reviewers typically break everything up into little sections. It makes it more readable or watchable, but it also allows important things to seem much less important. For instance, you can put charging speed in the same line as charging availability and not get the true picture. What you really want to know is how easily and fast can this vehicle be charged. And it doesn't allow the reviewer to put the appropriate amount of weight on points that deserve it. And charging in this case was a huge point. Yeah, it transformed what should have been a very relaxing two-day trip into a stress-filled experience. And I know what you're saying. The charging only took about three hours of your trip, but it really limited what we were able to do and how we felt about it. This stupid network. And everyone, everyone who ever says to me, hey, Jesse, it's a great network. I use it all the time. You're a liar. I mean, I had stress and anxiety about like, is this charger going to work when we get there? Yeah. And like, how are we going to be able to get home? Or are we going to have to, you know, What's going to happen to the bikes if we have to put the truck on a tow truck? Like, ugh, stressful. Yeah, it brought charging into our vacation. It should have never been part of our vacation. Uh, charging should have just been a thing like stopping to go to the bathroom. Yeah, we got to the campsite an hour later than we expected with way less range than we wanted. And I was worried the whole time because there was no guarantee that the charger at the mall would work. And I mean, that's it for fast chargers in that part of our whole state. I mean, yeah, there's a Nissan dealership. Um, there's some other network that I had never heard of and I didn't really want to stop there either. Um, and then there was this one charger. And if that one charger didn't work, um, we We'd would be still be there <laughs> pretty much. Right. And every charger you go to that doesn't work is more range that you're wasting. Right. So if we were like, oh, I guess I'll try this one. Oh, we'll try this one. You're going miles out of your way in either direction when right. you could have just been heading home or heading to that one charger that you think is going to work. And I hear what you're saying. Well, then why did you choose Cape Cod? Maybe that's a dumb place to pick because you knew that charging would be bad. But no, we wanted to go to the White Mountains up in New Hampshire, but there are no chargers north of Manchester. We had to pick a different location where there was at least something. And it's not like Cape Cod is a sleepy destination either. Over 4 million tourists flock there every year. And to me, this is where I go, uh, hey, Rivian, where's the Rivian Adventure Network? I want to go on a hike or drive up Mount Washington. I want to visit Lake Winnipesaukee, the Adirondacks, Maine. Or how about some Rivian Adventure chargers here on Cape Cod? Here's your chance to show what a true adventure network looks like. Because let's face it, we did a very similar trip back in 2016 in Sparky. We had a supercharger that was right over the bridge to the Cape. Mm -hmm. So it was closer than Plymouth. 
It also worked flawlessly, <laughs> charged us up in no time at all, yep. and we had one of the best experiences. And it literally, I, I want to say, literally pushed us to do this channel. Yep. I went, holy crap, I've never been to the Cape. I would no, never go there otherwise. really good point. If we had pulled in and that had been an Electrify America charger with the same experience we just had, we probably never would have started this channel because <laughs> it would have been so frustrating that we wouldn't have wanted to bring it to you. And that, like, that's how amazing that is. Right. That like that experience made 300 plus episodes of Tesla Time News possible. And this is where the Rivian network, where is it? They announced that it was going to be fully built out in 2023 with 600 charging locations. And I, and I get it. It's not 2023 yet. So I get why there wouldn't be 600 of them, but there's none of them here. And you might say, well, you know what? You weren't really supposed to get your Rivian, Zach and Jesse. That was supposed to be for people in New York. But. Let's say we did live in New York. Don't you think we'd want to go for an adventure up in New Hampshire or Cape Cod? Those are the places on the East Coast near New York that you go for adventures in. I mean, there are a lot of holes in the fast charging network that is non-Tesla. It's pretty sad. Pull up PlugShare sometime and take a look at it and really dive down when you're like, oh, but there is a charger there. See if it's like a Nissan dealership where you know you're not going to be able to charge your Rivian there. You know what I mean? It's really not there yet. And... This is, again, hello, Rivian. You could just be like, but don't worry, Rivian's got you. It's freaking, it's a Rivian. I really thought with the release of the trucks that they would actually have a lot of chargers that would go online. And so far, we've barely seen any. Look, the Rivian R1T is an amazing pickup truck. The torque, the decent range, the charging speed, the cargo space, the glass roof, the sizable frunk, the power and air outlets, and many other amazing aspects that we've shown you in videos so far. Everyone who sees this truck loves it. They stop us and they ask us about it. But let's face it, it costs Rivian more to make this truck than they sell it for. And the selling price is not cheap, even for a pickup truck. If you have the money, is this a fun vehicle? Yes, but so is a Lamborghini. What I think everyone is waiting for, whether they know it or not, is what I think the Tesla Cybertruck promises to be. A pickup truck with great range, even better stats, and the Tesla supercharger network. And if Tesla can pull off a starting price in the mid 40s, heck, even the mid 50s, <laughs> they are going to control this market. Because again, to me, the R1T is a great electric pickup truck if this were 2016. Yeah, I agree. This is a really great truck. It's just that Tesla has surpassed them and keeps coming up with so many great features, including their amazing supercharger network, which again, I don't know how many times we have to say this, but I don't know why you'd buy an Ionic 5 or a Bolt because like there's no charging network for you that's anywhere near what the Tesla supercharger network is. If you're thinking of buying an electric car, please try out like your friend's Tesla or something first on a trip because you're going to experience what it's like to charge. And that's so important. But I want to take a step back and I want to admit another thing, which is that not all trucks or cars have to be this amazing road tripping experience. I know that most cars do 90% of their traveling between home and work. So to me, a Chevy Bolt, a Nissan Leaf, those things, completely reasonable, really smart in terms of even an investment because you're not gonna be paying for gas and all that other stuff. But when we're talking about an adventure vehicle and we try to have an adventure and we end up having a stress-ridden, not so fun time, that's where I go, um, excuse me, we weren't driving into the wilderness. No. Cape Cod is pretty much <laughs> like we had to find a campground on Cape Cod. It right. wasn't just like we just, yo, just drive in the woods, park anywhere, buddy. Right. I've been to those kinds of places in my Tesla 
We couldn't make it in the road. I would have been scared if we had driven into the woods somewhere because we would have been so far from any kind of charging network. And it's all, this is Rivian's fault. You said you were going to build a charging network. Where the heck is it? Right. And this is why Rivian, to me, just doesn't cut it. And, and you might be saying, Jesse, really? The supercharger network? Again, that's the one thing that you're going to bring up as the one thing that you didn't like about it? Well, Rivian knew it. That's why they said they'd make a, a network. And look, we didn't ask them to make a network as good as Tesla's. They said 600 chargers. And we're like, well, that sounds like it could be pretty good because that's roughly what Electrify America has. But where are they going to put these chargers? Is it just going to be Aspen and like Tahoe? Like, right. really? Is it just going to be the hoitsy toitsy places? And is it just going to be a bunch of level two chargers? Because I'm telling you right now, with a big battery, I mean, ours isn't even the biggest battery. It's no. 135 kilowatt hours. That battery at level two is going to take forever. So unless it's right at your campsite, what are you going to do? Drive it two miles down the road and then walk back or something like it just doesn't work. Zach and I were reflecting on this trip after we had it and we were like, why was it so stressful and unpleasant? I really do think that it was the charging and the range anxiety that first punctuated the trip with a very stressful and like Oh my God, are we going to not be able to have this trip? We booked a campsite. We booked a hotel. Uh, are we really going to have to like try and cancel those? Are we going to have to stop somewhere and charge for six hours? L like look, it, it made two EV drivers into be like newbies, okay? Uh -huh. Because normally in Teslas, when we do our road trips all over the world, we have so many options that, yes, we do think about charging, but there's so many good options to it. Like, hey, do, do you want to stay in this town because it has a great hotel yeah. or that town because it has a great restaurant? Right. And all I have to do is is look at a map and say, oh, there's a dot nearby. I'm good. Don't worry. I don't even right. have to think about it. I don't have to click on the dot and be like, um, let, me, let me see. Oh, right. that's that network. I had to read reviews. <laughs> I had to read like, the oh, that charger's not been working for three weeks. That's ridiculous yeah. amount of data that I had to sift through just to go on my vacation. And this trip could have been worse because if that EV go station at the mall had one more more Nissan Leaf, uh, Ionic 5, a Bolt, anything parked there, it would have been hours more. It would have been hours more because, again, they would have been charging at, uh, what was it, 39 kilowatts. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so they would take like an hour to charge up. Oh, more. Probably I mean, more. Depends on what they what needed to do What if it was another Rivian? Day. Could have been another Rivian. And then you would have had to... That's what I'm talking about here. Look, I just want to point out when there are more Rivians in the world mm -hmm. and there was a couple Rivians parked there at 39 kilowatts, it would take three or four hours to charge that. So right. what would I be doing? Right. I'd have to be just... And we saw another Rivian on the Cape, too. Right. It's not like, oh, but don't worry, there are no Rivians anywhere. No, they're out there and they're hungry. They right. need to be charged. So right. I'm sure that the Rivian that we saw on the Cape, I mean, we saw them parked at a hotel and ran the extension cord out the window, which is completely valid. I'm not going to make fun of them for that. But if they're headed home and they're going to be pulling into that Plymouth uh, Electrify America station, I, I don't want that experience for them. You know what? I'm mad about that. I know. So anyway, uh, maybe it's not Rivian's fault, but they need to do something because I just don't think that it's going to work. I just want to point out again that when we got to that Electrify America stall, we had to reboot the vehicle because that was a Rivian problem. And That's I mean, true. they'd had two weeks to fix this. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, there's a lot of software glitches there. And you remember uh, as we were driving, it took us 10 minutes before the Spotify would load. Like there's yeah. lots of software glitches in this vehicle. And that's why I say it's like a 2016 vehicle. Yeah. But, you know, 
We are going to be taking it for another adventure, this time towing a trailer, because look, a lot of you want to know what it's like on long distance towing. So we're going to be testing that thanks to one of our viewers who's letting us borrow his trailer. So we're going to be reporting on that. Hopefully we'll have a better experience. We're going to go in a different direction this time. We'll try some different chargers. Yeah. And uh, we'll tell you how it goes. Maybe it'll be amazing. Who knows? Uh, but we still can't go to the White Mountains, which is the one place that I really would mm. like to take the truck. I know um, we're probably going to have to go to Maine. And I'm worried about that too. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. And I want to thank our patrons so much because without you, this review would not happen. Right. Um, we would have had, maybe we would have gotten the Rivian for a week and they would have let us borrow it. And we would have said, it's great. We didn't take it anywhere fun. We, we drove have, it 40 miles. We didn't have the tent. We drove it down the road and we drove it back a couple times and we plugged it in at our house and it was great and we loved it um, because I have to be nice. And the oh, there were a few glitches, um, but I'm sure they'll work those out with software updates because they uh, we got a software update once and I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, if you watch till the end, I want to give you one last little thing I don't like about the Rivian, which I don't think we've talked about yet. If you sit in the rear seats, there's one seat that's over the subwoofer and that seat is really uncomfortable. Really firm. Uh, and uh... it's like, don't have your friends sit in that seat. Now, I love subwoofers, but why'd you have to stick it there? And why couldn't you figure out a way to make the seat more comfortable? The other rear seats are not that comfortable either because of the under seat storage, which right. I think is cool, but maybe don't trade off on that. Comfort for storage. Right. I, I mean, I get it. The only people buying this truck are people who, like, I guess, didn't have kids. I guess. I mean, hey, I love the um, cooled seats. That's really cool. That's a great feature. Too. And I think Tesla's, you know, the Model 3 and the Model Y should have those and they don't have it yet. Yeah. I, I just, if we bought this truck because we wanted it, like if you bought this truck and you weren't a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. I'd be disappointed right now. You'd be You'd be trying to flip it now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, make money huh? because there's more trucks coming. And hey, look, like I said about the Cybertruck, I don't know what the Cybertruck is going to have. But if it's a, a true Tesla, I think I'm going to be really excited about it. So, I mean, you know, we're one of the first who's getting the Cybertrucks and you know that we're one of the first to be getting the uh, F-150 this summer. Hopefully we're going to be testing those out. We want to put these all head to head so that you guys know what's the truck for you. And we want to be honest. Sometimes it means that we're going to rip them a new one. Other times, like we've shown with the towing, like really impressive towing. Yeah. Really impressive that the regen braking can do Amazing. most of the work. I, I want to be honest, but like you got to not jump down our throats when you're like, you're being mean and everyone else is being nice. You must be wrong. <laughs> if you don't have the truck, I'm sorry. You don't know. And right. and, I, and wait till we have the Cybertruck and you'll see. We're going to try and find <laughs> problems with that, too. We'll try and do some head to heads, especially with like the F-150 Lightning. I'll be honest, it's going to have a lot of the same problems as the Rivian. <laughs> um, but we'll give it a shot. We'll let you know. We'll see you next time. Now, now you know. know.